labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, Christ never promised that it would be easy, but that we could rest through the unease if we come to Him with our burdens. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 12. We've been for the last two weeks. And to recap what is going on at this point, Herod has stretched forth his hands, it says, to vex or to trouble, afflict or persecute the church of God. And he took the apostle James, who was the brother of John, and he executed him. And because that pleased the Jews, he then went further to take Peter. He took Peter and bound him up into prison. And he's guarding him with 16 soldiers until Easter or the Passover time, and then he was going to deliver them to the people so that they could choose how he would be executed. And we find in verse 5 that while Peter is in prison, the church is praying. They're praying unto God. Then last week, we looked at what Peter was doing as the church was praying. In verse 6, it says, When Herod would have brought him forth the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door of the prison. And while there was chaos in the church and probably commotion with the church, although they were doing what they were should have been doing, coming together to pray for Peter, we see chaos all around, but yet Peter at rest between two guards. That's what we just sang about, isn't it? Come unto me and I will give you rest. Not that I will give you ease, but I will give you rest. If you weren't here last week or haven't heard that message, I tried to focus on the two things that you must have figured out, I believe, and I believe we can make a biblical case for this, to have the kind of peace that Peter had. And the number one thing you have to reconcile in your mind or reconcile is that salvation is of the Lord. If you don't understand that, you'll constantly be in a state of bondage. You will be heavy laden. You'll be burdened down trying to appease God if you don't understand that God appeased himself on our behalf. You don't think it's a coincidence that when Jonah is in bondage in the belly of the well, he cries out that salvation is of the Lord. And we read the next verse that the Lord caused the fish to spit him out on dry land. Isn't that a wonderful picture of those who submit to the fact that salvation is all of God, the freedom that it brings them out of bondage? And then we talked about if you're going to have this kind of peace, you have to trust the Lord, which is a hard thing to do, isn't it? To fully, and we talked about trusting the Lord isn't just kind of giving him part of it and giving you part of it, but trust in the Lord is committing your care completely to God. And if you can do that, you're on your road uh, to having peace. But it's, I want to continue looking at that subject really today, and I, I ask that you pray for me as I stand before you, because I want to talk about something that I believe all of us, including me, struggle with um, often. And you notice Peter here, as, as it's the 
it's the time when he was to be brought forth to the people to probably face his execution. We find him resting. We don't find him fearful. We don't find him worrying. We don't find him anxious. Now, listen, there are times in the Bible where you can find accounts of Peter when he was fearful. Think about the arrest of Jesus and the trial of Jesus. We certainly see that Peter was fearful. I believe you can go to Galatians 2 and you can see that Peter feared man. He feared man's opinions at times. And you can read that. So what, what I'm going to talk to you today about is not that Peter wasn't affected by this. There's no one in this world that hasn't been affected by what we'll talk about today. But Peter, as he grew closer to the Lord, it didn't affect him as much. And, and here we have Peter at peace. And many of us wonder how Peter could be such at peace because all of us struggle with fear and anxiety in our lives. A lot of y'all are shaking your heads. A lot of us struggle with fear. A lot of us struggle with anxiety. You know, there's a good, there's a good fear, a healthy fear. You have a fear of God. The Bible talks a lot about the fear of God. Jesus himself said that you should fear God. And that's not even so much that you're, you're scared of God, although we should be in fear of his almighty power. He's the most powerful thing in the world or even outside of the world. Uh, but we're to have a healthy respect for God. And some, you know, there's there are healthy fears that you can have. I'm, um, I, I'm you know, I don't, I'm scared of getting, let's say, this may be a silly one, but getting burnt. That's why I don't touch a hot stove, right? Or I don't want to be burnt. That's good. But today I don't want to talk about healthy fears. I want to talk about anxious fears. You know, fear and anxiety, are they go together. Anxiety is a form of fear. Right. And and I wrote down the definition from the Webster's 1828 dictionary for anxiety. It says concern or solicitude respecting some event future or certain or uncertain future or uncertain, which disturbs the mind and keeps it in a state of painful uneasiness. It expresses more than uneasiness or disturbance and even more than trouble or solicitude. It usually brings or springs from fear or serious apprehension of evil and involves a suspense respecting an event and often a perplexity of mind to know how to shape our conduct. When we talk about being anxious, we talk about being so concerned with something, usually some future event or something that you have no control over, that it affects your very life. It affects your sleep, it affects your work, it affects your relationships, it reflects your relationship with others and with God. Um, if, if, if my definition of, of anxiety would be that it is an unreasonable concern or an unreasonable fear of something that probably won't happen and something that even if it did probably wouldn't matter. Do any of y'all lose sleep or you lose, you, you know, you, you have trouble controlling your emotions over things that if you were sober thinking about it, probably will never happen. And a lot of them, even if they happened, it probably wouldn't ever matter. 
but yet all of us are impacted by that. Fear is one of fear is so common to mankind. You ever been holding a newborn baby and they just jump? They they're startled like they're falling. They're fearful of something that's not even happening. So from the time we enter this world, we deal with fear. When I was a kid, my hall, my my, they had a hallway, and my bedroom was at the end of the hallway. And you'd come out of my door, and to the right was the air intake, like here on the wall. And and my parents are here; they can probably attest. I would, I would book it down that hall as a kid because I didn't know what was behind that air intake. <laughs> I thought, is there somebody hiding in there that's going to get me? Is there? I was now that was unreasonable, wasn't it? But. We all understand that it's a, if it's a dark basement. And as we grow, our fears and the things that cause us anxiety change. I don't think I'd be too The worst is when you come out of the room and the air would kick on. <laughs> I made record time. I'm, I'm no longer scared of the air vent, but, you know, I've got to tell you, there are things that cause me lots of anxiety in this life. Um, it doesn't cripple me. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it is, it's common to all people that you're going to have some anxiety. The, the, the word fear in the New Testament, the Greek word is, um, is it's phobos. It's P-H-O-B-O-S is how you would spell it. And that's, that's where we get our English word phobia, a phobia, right? And a phobia is an irrational fear about something that's probably not going to happen. It's um, fearing something that would probably not even harm you, even if it happened. Um, it's interesting. There are 550, known, over 550 known phobias in the medical world today. One of them was the fear of clowns. Anybody scared of clowns? <laughs> a couple of hands. One of them was a the fear of chickens. <laughs> From clowns to chickens, we all find things to be scared of. Isn't that amazing that we come up with, even in our imagination, we imagine things to be scared about. Um, and the Bible talks about, let's look at some biblical examples. The most common cause of anxiety probably is just everyday life. So many people are just worried about every day. You ever met somebody that's worried if they don't have something to be worried about? <laughs> yeah. There's a medical diagnosis called generalized anxiety disorder. Okay. And this is real. And, and I, I wrote this down so I wouldn't misrepresent it. It's characterized by persistent and excessive worry about a number of different things. People who have this, anticipate disaster and may be overly concerned about money, about their health, about family, about work, or about other issues. 6.8 million adults are treated every year in the United States for generalized anxiety disorder. And, and they are anxious, worried, or fearful about the things that you have to do to survive right? The everyday life. They worry about their money. They worry about their clothing. They worry about their health. 
even when there's nothing to worry about. They worry about their security with their job. And Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, this is Matthew 6 and verse 25. You don't have to turn there, but he says to his disciples, therefore I say unto you, take no thought, which literally means do not be anxious about this. Jesus says, if you're my disciple, I don't want you to take thought or be anxious for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on, is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Jesus says to his disciples, my goal for your life is that you would not have this general anxiety about life, but that you would come to me and rest. That's what we sang about, right? That you would come to me. You know, he'd go on to say that the birds, you know, the birds of the air, they, they get their food and nobody's feeding them. Uh, you know, the, the lilies of the field, they survive. So Jesus is, Jesus is saying there, y'all understand what he's saying is, I don't want you to be anxious about everyday life if you're one of my children. Um, how about death? I, I will probably mess this up. Thanophobia is the irrational fear of death and dying. I don't think there's anybody here in this audience today that would say, I am looking forward 100% to dying. <laughs> Now, I've heard people say, I'm not afraid of dying. I don't like the process of death. <laughs> now, I'm not afraid of what's going to happen after death. I'm curious about some. Are some of y'all curious about what's going to happen? <laughs> There's some things I don't understand about death. Um, I, I fear other people's death more than mine. There's other people that I fear their death more than my death. <laughs> but that is, a, that is an irrational fear because guess what? It's something you can't. Stop. It's something really in, in some ways you can't control. Of course, we could control our diet and we can wear a seatbelt and things like that that may prevent a premature death. But the fact is we're all going to die at some point, right? And the writer of Hebrews is writing to the, to the Hebrews and he's speaking of our priest Jesus and it's verse 15, I think it is, he says that he who delivered them who through fear of death were all their lives subject to bondage. See, the fear of death is not something new. It's not that we have it so great now that we're afraid to die. People have always been afraid to die. It's the unknown. That's, that's, that's one of the main causes of our anxiety is the unknown. What's out there that we don't know about? And I, and I tell you, there are, there are things that I'm, I would say I'm looking forward to them, but I'm not, I don't want to find out today. <laughs> Right. Um, but there are things that I'm looking forward to understanding more when I pass from this world. I believe it'll be paradise because that's what Jesus told that thief on the cross. That today you'll be with me in paradise, which is a place that really we can't explain how good it will be. But the fact is, we're all going to die. And that brings many people fear and anxiety. But Jesus delivered people from that. What about peer Does anybody suffer from peer pressure or, or what other people think of you? I know I've said this many times here, but uh, I read it years ago that w when you're young, you, you fear what other people think of you. As you get a little older, you no longer care what people think of you. And as you really mature, you find out nobody was thinking about you in the first place. <laughs> 
That's true, isn't it? But 15 million people in America have been diagnosed with social anxiety disorder. That when they get among other people, they become very anxious to the point that they cannot function. And that's a problem, right? That's, that means that fear has now taken over your life. And so there's, there's a proverb, Proverb 29. Um, I can't remember the verse. But it says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. Meaning that if you're, if you're worried about what other people will think of you if you don't do something or what other people will think of you if you do something. And we want to, we're talking about doing the right thing or abstaining from the wrong thing, right? Or what other people are going to think of you because of the, the clothes you wear or the, or the way you talk or whatever it may be. Uh, first and foremost, the gods you follow. If you, if you become worried about that to the point that it, that you avoid those type of situations, uh, to the point that it affects your peace in life, that is a snare. It is a trap. Have y'all ever known anyone that got trapped and it was a good thing? It, it, it brings bondage is what he's saying. If you're in a, tr remember, come unto me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Take uh, my yoke upon you. And the, the song we just sang is all about what? Delivering you from bondage. Just like Jonah, who was in the belly of the well and was delivered onto dry land, if you if if you can if you can get through your mind that the only thing that matters is what my God ultimately thinks about me, you'll be delivered from that bondage, right? Um, what about the fear of failing? Does anybody in has anyone in here ever been? so scared of failing or being defeated in something that you start that you never start in the first place. It, it, it would be amazing to see how many of us could accomplish so much more if we weren't scared of starting it because we're afraid we're going to fail in it. Isn't that, I mean, I'm not talking about unreasonable things. A lot of times the hardest Step is the first step, right? <laughs> um, how many of you have felt severe anxiety? I'm talking about anxiety that, that impacts your life before a test or an exam. I don't know if they give some young people, they still give pop quizzes. I figured that might hurt people's emotions or something now. We don't do that. That would bring on some anxiety, wouldn't it? My last year at Alabama, I walked into the classroom. Uh, last class you take is called GBA 490. It's the last business class you take. And I walked in and the professor was handing out Scantron. That's the, if some of y'all remember the little sheets that you would take your test on. They were called Scantrons. I don't know if they use those anymore, but I was like, what is he doing? I had completely forgotten that we had a test that day. <laughs> you want to talk about worry. I passed. I'm here. <laughs> I have dreams all the time <laughs> that I have to go back. Do y'all have some of those dreams? I have dreams all the time that I failed that class. 
look, my final exam, and I, I'm trying, I'm not trying to be silly, but my final exam in that class was there were four golf companies that you had to invest Warren Buffett's money in. And you had to write the business plan and pick the one. And I chose Nike because they had Tiger Woods, who's the most popular golfer in the world. And I guess it was 2010 when he got in that wreck and found out he was living a secret life and, you know, his sponsors were dropping him. And, and I thought my dream is my nightmare is coming true. <laughs> They're going to go back and fail me. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to school. <laughs> um, you know, I had, I had anxiety about failing that exam. How many have been to a job interview? You don't understand what I'm talking about maybe before a sporting event, you know, for 40 days, the giant stood before the arm, Goliath stood before the armies of Israel and was defying the armies of Israel, was challenging them to send me a man that'll fight against me. For 40 days, he did that. And David comes down and David hears it. In verse 24, 1 Samuel 17, verse 24 says, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they just saw Goliath come out. They fled from him and were sore afraid. What were they afraid of? They were afraid of being defeated. <laughs> they, were, they were afraid of failing, right? And that'll cripple you. Um, I don't want to belabor the point, but Lifeway Research, I, I looked at this this week. 20% of young adults say they're struggling today with anxiety. If you look at the, the population as a whole, it's 19.1% of people that are 18 and over. When they asked which feeling do people in America seek to avoid the most, the most popular answer, over four in 10 U.S. adults answered that it was fear, more so than shame or guilt. See, fear and anxiety are so powerful that, that, that we would avoid those over, over things like shame and guilt. Do you see how powerful it can be in your life? So I want to I want to start with this point as we look at how can we how can we we, we want to learn more about where does this come from or how do we ultimately how can we help ourselves in this situation because we all struggle with it. And, and the first thing I want to say to you is that if you have ever felt this kind of fear, this debilitating kind of fear about something that is going to happen in your life, then 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 that is not something that God sent into your life. Um, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is writing his last uh, epistle that, that we have preserved for us to Timothy who had become scared and timid because the world around him was not um, pleasant to Christianity. It was hostile to Christianity. And he had been called to be a minister in this. And so in verse 5, I'm calling to remembrance the faith that is in you. It was in your grandmother. It was in your mother. It's in you also. He says, wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Paul reminds him that a, a presbytery had laid hands upon him to go out and be a courageous minister of God. And so in verse 7, he says to him, this is 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, for God, because God, the God of heaven, has not given us the spirit of fear. He says, if you have a spirit, that's something that is controlling you, that, that proceeds from or makes you to fear, that makes you anxious, to make you timid, to make you scared, to make you worried. He says that is not something that God has given His people. 
He says, God's Spirit, if God's Spirit is within you, that's where power comes from. That's where love comes from. That's where a sound mind comes from. You, you look out at the world today and you say, people have lost their common sense. That's what a sound mind really is. Just sober common sense. That's because either they don't have the Spirit of God or they're neglecting the Spirit of God. And there's a spirit of something else that is dominating them. And when you, are, when you neglect the Spirit of God and the things of God and the Word of God, there is a spirit that comes into your life and it is the spirit of fear. The spirit of anxiety. When, 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 and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but when you are no longer plugged in to the Word of God, around the people of God, and to, the, and to God Himself, something else will, t- will fill that void and it's usually fear. It's usually fear. And so Paul says to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So you say, well, where does fear come from? Because I, I, I have it all the time. I'm afraid I'm going to be late to this place. I'm afraid I'm going to miss this meeting. I'm afraid what's going to happen to my children. I'm afraid. I'm just afraid, 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 afraid. Fear is a product of the fall of man. Fear is, a, fear is something that, that was not part of God's creation. It's not something that God gives to His people. It's not something that God wanted for His people. And it's not something that God has caused for His people. But if you go to, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, we are in the chapter that deals with the fall of man. What I, what I mean by the fall of man, if you don't understand that, that's when man fell from his perfect state that God had created him into a, into a state of sinfulness. It's when man spiritually died to the things of God. And when, when man transgressed God, God's only law that he had given them, and, and, and the effects of the fall have impacted everyone from Adam into us sitting here today. <laughs> That's another thing when you think about what is going on in the world. Sin the, it is the product of sin. It is the product of the fall. When you think, why, why can't I get it together? Why do, why do I, why do I, when I have a decision to make, why do I always think about how's this going to impact me? Not how's it going to impact others? How can I be so selfish? Sin. It all comes from, from, from Genesis chapter three will, it will explain a lot of what you see in the world, won't it? It's sin and we're all dealing with it. And so they have transgressed the law of God. And it says the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where are you? He's hiding from God. And God says, where are you? And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. You see that? I was fearful. I was worried. I was anxious because I was naked and I hid myself. He says, you see, directly after the fall, fear and anxiety comes in to destroy the life of Adam. Do y'all see that? Directly after. This is something. This is not something new. You know, you hear about... Uh, that, 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 that in America we're having a mental health crisis. And I agree with that. And I, I, I think a lot of that is true. And there's more of it today than maybe there's been in the past in our country. But it's not something new. It's something, that it's, it's, it's something that's been around since the garden. It's something that's been around since the fall. And he says, I am fearful. I am anxious. I'm, I, because, because he was dealing with something that was unknown. I mean, this may seem kind of silly to us when we think about it, but he had lived his life. He was, he was unclothed. 
He was unashamed. He had no guilt. And now all of a sudden he finds himself uh, in the same situation, but he's, he's naked and he has guilt and he has shame and he doesn't know what to do and it causes him fear. Right? Do you see that? There's unknown. There's the unknown. I was talking about dreams earlier. Have any of y'all had a dream where you're in a public place that you can raise your hand or not? You don't have any clothes on. <laughs> that's the, that's the first, that's the, it's either the first, the second most common dream. What, I don't know which one was first or second. One of them is that you're being chased by somebody and you can't run. <laughs> Anybody ever had that? And the other one is that you're in a public place and you have no clothes on. <laughs> and, and, and people that, in, that, that interpret what these dreams may mean or psychologists, you know what they will say? It comes from th these dreams are a direct result of our insecurity or our fear or our anxiety. Isn't that amazing? The, 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 maybe the number one, number two dream in the world is that you're in the same spot that Adam was in. So you're not very far from, from your forefather, Adam, are you? That I'm naked and I'm scared. Isn't that amazing? They say like the third or fourth most fearful thing in America is public speaking, what I'm doing here today. And I, I do get a little scared doing that. But what's weird, the number one or number two dream is that you'd be unclothed in public. The number two or three most fearful thing is that you would have to public speak. And then there'll be public speaking coaches that say, imagine everybody in their underwear. <laughs> you ever heard that? <laughs> what a weird thing to tell somebody to do that's already scared standing in front of people. <laughs> um, I don't think that's a good, I don't think that's good advice. Um, Listen, do y'all think that the devil doesn't understand that we all have these fears? You say, where does fear come from? It's from our adversary. Let's go to John chapter 10 for just a moment. We're, we're dealing with fear. We're dealing with anxiety. We're, we're talking about it doesn't come from God. It was a result of the fall. It's not something that Christ brings into your life. In John chapter 10, beginning in verse Seven, he says, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Listen, he says, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He will be delivered. And what will, he, what will happen? He will go in and out and find pasture. What does that mean? He's going to have rest. He's going to have peace if he enters in through me. Listen to what he says next. The thief... The thief comes not but for two. What is he saying? The thief only comes to do these three things. To steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. But the thief, the adversary, is coming into this world. He's coming unto you. And the only thing he wants to do is steal and kill and destroy. And there's probably nothing in this world that will steal your joy or kill your happiness or destroy your life more than fear. Nothing more than fear. It, it, will, it will keep you from doing what you need to do. It will keep you from being where you need to be. It will keep you from fulfilling. It will keep you from fulfilling the purposes that God has for you. If you're, if you're, if you're scared if you're fearful, if you're anxious all the time, it will keep you. Think about that. I, I do believe there, is, there are plans that God has for your life that you can either fulfill or not. We were created so that we may walk in good works, right? Not guaranteed that we would, 
Not guaranteed that we will, but that is a plan that God had for your life. But how many people, how many people have not walked into that plan because they were scared? How many people didn't, you know, they didn't, they, they want, I've known people that wanted to be part of the church so bad that, that, that that's all they could think about, but they were too scared to do it. What will people think about me? What will my family think about me? Well, how will this affect this? How will this affect that? There's probably been people that were called to preach, called to minister, that were scared uh, um, to, to, to stand up in front of God's people. There's been moms and dads that have had children that their lives were impacted because they were scared to say no. <laughs> you know, that's... I'm, I'm finding that it's harder to say no than, than I thought. <laughs> you know, you don't want to hurt your children. You don't want to, um, you know, you don't want to neglect your children. Really, if you're a good dad, you're a good mom, you're a good parent, you want to give your children everything they want, right? But, but a lot of times what they want <laughs> is not what they need. And so, but listen, it can be a scary thing to say no. Right? You got to live with them. They know when you're asleep. <laughs> They're affected by the fall too. They could kill you. <laughs> Fellas, that goes for your wife too. <laughs> so, how do we over? Because, listen, I'm, I'm going to say, how do we overcome fear? Because, listen, you can overcome it. You know that? You can overcome. Some people just give up. So I guess this is going to be my life. Listen, that is that. The Bible says we are more. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That means we are we are more than victorious, not because of something we have done, but because of what Christ has done in our life. We are more than there's not a sin that you can't overcome. There's Paul said, for I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, right? So, so maybe, I know we're all dealing with it, some to, to a greater extent than others, but listen, this, this fear and anxiety is not something that we cannot overcome. It's something we're going to deal with. All of us are going to deal with it until we die. And then we'll be delivered from it. <laughs> then we'll be delivered from it. That's a that's a wonderful thought, isn't it? You know, I heard about that boy in, in Georgia. I didn't know him. I'd I'd seen him one time, and and, and he just the, brother Will prayed about the brevity of life, isn't it? Just sometimes things happen and they just slap you in the face, and it's like this world stinks. <laughs> but isn't it amazing? I mean, we talked about a Christian worldview during the the prayer request this morning. Isn't it, isn't it great to have a worldview that says? One day, none of this will none of this will impact us ever again. There'll be no tears. There'll be no backstabbing. There'll be no jealousy. There'll be no anxiety. There'll be no grief. There'll be no shame. One, one day, we'll just be free. We'll be really free. Isn't that amazing? So how can we overcome this? Well, first and foremost, we're gonna, we, we, have, we must rely on God. See, anything that is a product of the fall, you cannot overcome on your own. Whether that be salvation, you cannot overcome that on your own. Whether that be anxiety or worry or guilt 
or shame or jealousy or, or any work of the flesh, you cannot overcome that on your own because it is a product of something that is bigger than you, your depravity. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter is instructing the elders of the church. Peter is instructing the, the younger people in the church. And I'm kind of just fast forwarding through this. He says that, that the younger submit themselves to the elder. This is verse five. And he says, all of you are to be subject one to another and to be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Listen to verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. What, what's one of the keys to, to overcoming this fear or this anxiety? Peter, who's the one that we, that we started this message with, who's in prison between two guards, and yet he is sleeping. <laughs> His instruction to them through the power of the Holy Spirit is that you are to cast, that is literally to, to throw upon, to take off of you and give to another. He says, casting all your care, that is literally means your anxieties, your fears, your worries, casting all your care upon Him. And, and a lot of times we forget the second part of that, there's five more words because we said we need the Lord. He said, for He cares for you. Do you see that? The two different words for cares there. The first is you're to, you're to cast your anxiety upon Him. And the reason you can do that is because He is concerned about you. Do you ever think about that? That the God of this universe is concerned about you. Like... Uh, the one, the writer in Colossians, Paul says that by him all things consist. That means that all things are held together by God. By Jesus Christ is holding all things together. Scientists will say we don't understand how the world isn't just either imploding on itself or exploding itself or how gravity is working. We, don't, we can't figure all this stuff out. I can tell you how Jesus is holding it all together. <laughs> When he was on the cross dying for your sins, he was still holding it all together. Isn't that amazing? But even in the midst of holding it all together, he's still concerned about you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? The God that holds it all together is concerned about you. Now, how could you fear <laughs> if you have that in your mind? See, um, to, to cast your cares upon him means that doesn't mean that you will have nothing that the things that were causing you this fear or anxiety, he's not going to take all those away. But, but literally, if you believe the Bible, then you have to admit that you can, although those things are causing you anxiety, you can put those on God and God cares enough about you that he will carry those for you. And so you, you, you think, how, how can I do that? Well, number one, you got to have God. And here we see that God's on your side. Do you see that? He cares for you. He is concerned for you. I wrote down the definition of, of, of when it says he careth for you. To be interested or concerned about someone. <laughs> you think nobody is interested in me. The God of heaven is interested in you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? 
The, the God of heaven is interested in me? He's concerned about me? And sometimes we think, no, He's not. If He sent His Son to die for you, you don't think He's concerned about you? <laughs> Alright, so we've got, we've got God's help. We've got God on our side. But really the key, the key to this is all right here, is in controlling your mind. That's where fear and anxiety starts, and that's where it resides, is in your mind. Go, to, go with me to Philippians chapter 4. As Paul is closing out his letter to the saints at Philippi, he says in verse 6, he, he, he's right to the point, be careful for nothing. See, this is Brother Josh telling you this. This is the Apostle Paul saying that that means to be anxious about the word careful there, to be anxious about. Do he's saying, do not be anxious about anything. Be careful, be careful for no thing. <laughs> do y'all see that? Nothing. Now, you can't just say, all right, I resolve today to walk out of these doors and I'm not going to let anything bother me anymore. You have to replace the things that are running through your mind with something else. If you don't, the demons will come back and find that the house has been swept and they'll invite some more of their friends in and give you more to worry about. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, in everything you do, <laughs> By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Do you see the answer to an anxious heart that Paul gives is, is, is a God consciousness in everything you do. From the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, you are conscious of the one who is concerned about you. And, and, and listen... You will find, you will find this through the Bible, you will find it in life, that when anxiety hits its peak, it's when you are not thinking about God. I gave you the example last week of Peter, Matthew chapter 14. He gets out of the boat. He's the only one that got out of the boat. We were to give him a little praise for that. <laughs> but most people go to the second part of that, that he was the only one that began to sink because he's the only one that got out. He's also the only one that got rescued. Sometimes you can't get you can't, you can't have you can't have the testimony of the rescue if you don't ever get out and 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 risk something, can you? <laughs> Think about that. But he gets out of the he gets out of the boat, Matthew fourteen, and he sees he's looking at Jesus. He says, "Jesus, bid me come," and Jesus says, "Come." But then it says that he saw the winds and they were boisterous. The winds were stormy, and he fixed his eyes upon those, and he began to sink. It was only when his eyes were taken off of God that he began to sink, and he began to, he began to fear. I'm, I'm going I'm to turn to that just a moment. It's Matthew chapter 14. Remember, they're in, they're in a ship, verse 24, in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. 
And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were what? They were troubled. Here, here's God coming into their life and they're troubled. That shows you how, for lack of a better theological term, how messed up we are. That sometimes God will bring good things to our, God will come to us and it will scare us, just like Adam. I don't know what God's calling on you to do. Be better about something, change something in your life. Sometimes God's spirit, um, that's why Paul said not to quench the spirit, because sometimes we're so scared of what God may be calling us to do that we quench the spirit and say, I'm not going to do that. Well, here's God coming unto them, and they were troubled. They were anxious. They were fearful. And they said, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer. That means, don't be afraid. Cheer up. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, that means that it was strong and it was powerful and it was scary. <laughs> he said he was afraid. He began to be fearful. He began to be anxious. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. <laughs> and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hands and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, Wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. When did Peter begin to sink? When did Peter begin to get afraid? It was when he took his eyes off the Lord, right? And you say, Josh, that sounds hard. How many of y'all got a lot of stuff probably that you're thinking about right now in the back of your mind you got to do tonight? When you get home, somebody just raised his hand. That's courageous. Here's the fact. Yeah, it is hard. Y'all know Christianity's hard. Um, Brother John and I were talking about golf. Anybody watch golf this weekend? I watch those guys, Brother John, and I think, why can't I hit the ball like that? <laughs> well, it'd be hard to go out and hit thousands of balls a day to do that, right? You may look at Michael Jordan and say, why can't I shoot like that? Why can't I be like that? you got to put in the work to be like that. How can I be like Peter when in the midst of of, of, of an exam, in the midst of, of deadlines at work, in the midst of chaos in my family, in the midst of the whatever's going on around us here in the world, how can I be like Peter that I'm at rest? you got to put in the work. You know what's the difference between Peter on the day that Jesus was arrested and Peter on the day that he was arrested? He put in the work. He became a disciple. He took on leadership. He focused on God. He, was, he devoted his life to the people of God and the church of God and God. He put in the work. And you say, well, I'm still, I've been in the church 10 years and I'm still anxious all the time. Are you putting in the work? If you're not here on Sunday, you're not putting in the work. If you're not in the Word on Monday, you're not putting in the work. If you're not checking on your brothers and sisters, you're not putting in the work. If you're not putting in the work, don't expect to have a different outcome. 
They said doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome is another product of the fall. Insanity. The difference between Peter years before and Peter then is he put in the work. So I'm going to leave it there. If you want to overcome it, you've got to put in the work. <laughs> you want a better marriage, what do you need to do? Put in the work. You want a healthier life, what do you got to do? You've got to put in the work. Listen, we're living amongst people that don't want to... We, we are people that don't want to put in the work. <laughs> we want it now, right? We want it the easy way. Listen, I'm that way. <laughs> you're that way. I'm not trying to be mean with you today, but I'm saying, if you're saying I can't beat it, are you putting in the work? If you're not putting in the work, don't expect a different... I can't help you. You can't blame the preacher. You can't blame the church. You can't blame your dad or your mom or your husband or your wife or your boss or society. None of those things are going to keep you from living the peaceful kind of life that God has called us to live. If Peter could do it between two guards who are about to deliver him to death, you can do it in whatever's going on in your life today. Listen, he says, Paul says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He says, put in the work. Listen to this. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul says, if you put in the work, you'll go from the cares of this world to the peace that is of God, meaning that you'll no longer be hindered by the cares of this world, but you'll be motivated by a peace that is out of this world. Y'all see that? It comes from God who is not of this world. And it passes understanding. And it will keep your hearts. And it will keep your minds through Christ Jesus. He goes on to instruct them in his final instructions about what they should think about. So I'm going to leave you with this. Read verse 8. Read verse 8. Tonight, now, whenever. Do an inventory of your life tonight. Brother, when you get done with all that stuff you got to do tonight, then I want you to do this. Take an inventory of your life and say, is that what I'm thinking about on a daily basis? And if it's not, then you will not have that peace. Until you're thinking about those things that he lists in verse 8, till that fills your mind, you will be anxious the rest of your life until you begin to focus on that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you've given us a way to escape the effects of the fall. Thank you that even the greatest effect that we deal with, death, has been conquered. And there is now, for those who are in Christ, no guilt in this life and no fear of death or the life to come because you have gained the victory on our behalf. Help us, Lord, to put in the work to be your disciples. Help us to say no to things that we may want to do more than put in the work to be your disciples. Save us from ourselves. Give us a heart to love you more. Lord, we pray that you'd open doors for us to speak the truth, the most freeing truth known to man 
that Jesus Christ alone accomplished salvation. Help that message to spread in this dark world. Send us to your little children who are in bondage thinking that they have a part to play, that they haven't done it enough, that they have to persevere, that they play a part at all and help enlighten their minds and help us through the gospel to show them that you did it all, that you paid it all, that we owe it all to you. Lord, I know there are those in this room today who suffer from what we have talked about today. Lord, I know that I have suffered from what we talk about today and that it has stolen joy from my life. It has robbed me and it will destroy us if we let it. Lord, give us the strength to come to you, to cast our burdens on you, to come to you with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, and give us the peace you've promised, Lord. Protect our hearts and protect our minds by thinking about you, Lord. Lord, be with our nation. We're so lost. We're so confused. Return us to a sound mind. Healthy thinking. Be with those that are in power. That they may do things. They may enact laws. They may use the powers that they have to do good. And to allow us to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. That is our prayer. In all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn at this time. And if you'd like to come before the church and if you'd like to unite with this church through water baptism, confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can come.